3: Good morning and thank you for joining us for another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You're listening to us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Mushadama, Dama and you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa. Uh, today we are looking at uh, the story of uh, uh, air safety in light of the airline crashes that we've had in recent months. So we'll be looking at uh, looking at the aviation safety industry and also how it affects you and me. But before that, let's get our news from Ann Moussa.
5: In the headlines, Nigerian presidential candidate Mohamedou Buhari holds his lead over incumbent president Goodluck Jonathan. Funds urgently needed for food security in Syria and neighboring countries and serious water challenges still persist with billions of people living in countries facing water scarcity by 2025. A very good morning to you. Former Nigerian head of state and presidential candidate Mohamedou Pohar is holding his lead of incumbent President Goodluck Jonathan. The Independent National Electoral Commission has been telling preliminary results of the presidential poll. Nigerians are anxiously awaiting the announcement of the final results of the election, which was held at the weekend. It's reported to be the closest presidential election ever held in history of Nigeria. Gunmen have shot dead a top Ugandan state prosecutor whose cases include the trial of 13 men accused of involvement in Al-Shabaab bomb attacks that killed 76 people in 2010. The July 2010 suicide bombings targeted football fans watching the World Cup final and a restaurant and a rugby club in the capital, Kampala. Somalia's al-Qaeda-affiliated Al-Shabaab militants claimed responsibility for the attack, the group's first outside Somalia. A Red Cross driver has been killed in northern Mali. Gunmen killed the driver in an attack on his aid truck as he headed across northern Mali towards Niger. Mali's desert north suffers frequent militant attacks, despite a French-led operation to drive out Islamist fighters in the wake of a Tuareg uprising there in 2012. A staff member of the Mali Red Cross is in a stable condition after being injured in the attack. Ahead of an international pledging conference for Syria and neighbouring host countries, United Nations Food and Agriculture Organisation says funds are urgently needed to prevent further deterioration of the food security situation. The conference is taking place in Kuwait today. The FAA warned yesterday that the ongoing crisis in Syria has severely disrupted agricultural production and trade and more than 9 million people are food insecure. Stephanie Kutrex reports.
6: FAO is seeking 59 million U.S. dollars for its work in Syria to support the production of staple foods and improve families' nutrition and income. It says another 62 million U.S. dollars is needed to help host communities in Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon, and Turkey cope with the influx of refugees by making their agriculture more productive and sustainable. The agency is underlining that the third International Humanitarian Pledging Conference for Syria presents an opportunity to raise critical funds to strengthen agricultural production in the region.
5: About 783 million people do not have access to clean water and almost two and a half billion do not have access to adequate sanitation. This was revealed at a meeting held at the United Nations headquarters in New York to assess the progress made and lessons learned in achieving sustainable management of water and sanitation. The UN says that in the last 10 years, significant progress has been made in promoting access to water and sanitation and fostering cooperation on water issues un deputy secretary general jan Ellison opened yesterday's dialogue on water and sanitation in the post-2015 development agenda highlighting the need for what he calls hydro diplomacy
3: instead of seeing water sharing as a problem we have to treat it as a potential solution with the help of innovative and dynamic
2: hydro diplomacy let us really try to aim to develop models for making water a source of a reason for cooperation rather than for a reason for conflict.
5: Recapping the top stories, Nigerian presidential candidate Mohamedou Buhari holds his leader of incumbent President Gulag Jonathan funds urgently needed for food security in Syria and neighboring countries and Syria water challenges still persist with billions of people living in countries facing water scarcity by 2025. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We broadcast from Johannesburg, South Africa, and our main aim is to provide news, views, interviews, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and the world. We broadcast in six languages, allowing Africa to tell its own stories, promoting the continuation of our continent's unique place as the birthplace of humankind.
4: Africa, rise and shine. Imetim hivyo saa kuminambili kamili magharibi majira ya Afrika mashariki ama saa kuminamoja kamili jioni saa za Afrika ya kati na kusini. Hii ni idhaa ya kiswahili ya chano la Afrika inayukujia katika mitabandi 16 kHz 171780 toka Johannesburg Afrika kusini. Kitabu, ni buitu mwabatele zivano na kumundite ni kumuru tuwa na kwa chuala. Mekina itungu maboshe ya hande na kamita ma program yao na
0: yari tumesom. Zojitika mu Afrika. Titola ndigusimbangani mwopanda manta, mosa kondera, mwopanda chibuibu, komanso mosa kuruvika. Ndifema kuto ndimaso wa Africa.
1: compétition.
3: Yes. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, as you heard in that promo, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, we do take pride in being African, and we know that we broadcast in various African uh, languages, from Shilozi to Nyanja to even uh, French, and uh, we also broadcast in English for uh, programs such as ours, African Dialogue. Well, today, as I mentioned, we're looking at aviation safety. Now, the recent airline crash has been the German wings Airbus crash in uh, the French Alps with uh, about 150 people on board and uh, the German wings plane flying from Barcelona to Düsseldorf disappeared off the radar before crashing. Now the crashes has been uh, an area of concern internationally as in the last 14 months there's been a series of high profile air crashes and uh, experts say that the worrying number of these crashes remain unresolved. There's also been talk in the public sphere on the safety of travelling using airlines and the uh, efficiency of pilots so on the program we're going to be looking at aviation safety uh, to help us look at uh, this particular issue we have JB uh, Trata who is the uh, deputy CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa we also have uh, Mandy Van Demuelen, who's the chief flight instructor and uh, Lyndon Burns also joins us as the MD of uh, plane talking but JP uh, Trata I'm going to start this uh, conversation with you uh, when we talk about aviation safety what are we referring to
2: good morning Benjamin uh, Benjamin safety is about flying safe and flying safe is not it make a gathering accident and obviously at the minimum loss to equipment lives and damage that is what it's all about and obviously the reputation of the industry hinges around uh, safety and how safety can
3: fly. And also, we know that there are very much different components that are required to ensure aviation safety. Could you highlight those for us, JP?
2: Yes, uh, there's several comp- uh, components regarding safety and how safety is done. Uh, ICAO, which is the international uh, organisation through the United Nations, that controls all commercial aviation activities and most nations around the world are member states of ICAO and ICAO recommends that safety should be managed through a system called safety management system and each uh, uh, contracting state around the world should implement safety management systems with all the operators of airlines Hmm.
3: And so, looking at uh, what's been happening in uh, the recent uh, months or so, we have been seeing uh, uh, really a trend of uh, these particular crashes themselves. Now, as a person who's part of this industry, J.P., what do you make of these uh, trends that we've been seeing, especially in our news headlines?
2: Um, if you're referring to the German wings, mm. uh, 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 This is a scenario that obviously is not cleared up yet. There's investigations going on. Mm. But if we listen to what is said by several commentators, it seems like there's a deliberate effort from the co-pilot to uh, have an accident, flew the airplane into the uh, terrain and obviously killed himself and all his passengers, which is a really sad event for aviation, but these things do happen. But I'd like to mention to you, mm. the, uh, I know the media is referring to suicide in this case. Mm. Uh, suicide is not a major cause of accident in aviation. Mm. The human factor is well a, a cause of the uh, accidents. Uh, 80% of accidents is caused by the human factor, and the rest is mostly contributed to other needs. But... Obviously, we have to look at all aspects to ensure that safety is uh, the the primary concern about our uh, airline operations, our all aircraft operations, and that is what we aim at. And we're learning on a daily basis Mm. from every actual incident incident.
3: Mm. Now, let me bring Lyndon Burns, the MD of uh, Plane Talking. Thank you for joining us for this particular uh, program, Lyndon. In terms of uh, looking at uh, the air safety uh, industry in itself, uh, 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 as a continent or as a country, looking at South Africa just as an example, uh, are we there yet? Are we doing well? And well, uh, which well, areas? Like, let's
1: mm. just go back to your opening remarks because sure. I, I find those quite problematic. I mm. don't know who the experts are that you were quoting. Mm. But there is only one unexplained loss Mm. at the moment that the world is still waiting for an answer for, and that's the disappearance of MH370. Mm. The trend in aviation safety in terms of, uh, you know, how are we improving, the accident rate per million hull losses, or per million flights at least, which is the standard measure of of safety at the moment, uh, that hull loss rate per million flights is coming down, and it's come down dramatically. And you have to look at it in the context of how this industry, this air transport industry and the demand for air travel is growing. Mm. The industry is doubling in size. The market is doubling in size every 15 years and trebling every 20. We're now at a position where if you looked back into, you know, the, the, the 2000, uh, there were only about 1.5 billion people who were traveling a year, or 1.5 billion passengers who traveled that year. Last year, the industry carried 3.3 3 billion passengers. There are yeah, roughly 8 million people mm, a day a mm. who, who, who travel. Uh, there are over 99,000 commercial airline flights every day. So uh, what we're seeing is you know, a, a, a huge increase in the actual level of activity, uh, the number of flights that are going on, and the actual real numbers of accidents proportional to that has come down a lot. And you asking me about Africa, and if we look at Africa, Africa used to have a notoriously high accident rate. We we were at about, um, you know, two hull losses per million flights back in 2009. Today, we've brought that down. Last year, there wasn't a single African commercial airline hull loss uh, in the whole of last year. Um, if you look at that trend over the last five years, we've seen a significant decline. We're now down from we're down from about two per million um, hull losses to about half. So uh, that, that's a big, big improvement. The area where there's still uh, uh, some concern in the industry mm-hmm. is not so much with the big jetliners, but certainly with the um, the turboprops. These are the typically aircraft in the 18 to 50-seater bracket Hmm. um, where the whole loss rate tends to be Uh, a little bit higher at the moment than it is for the bigger jets.
4: Mm.
3: Well, I also want to look at uh, the issue of uh, the uh, competency of uh, pilots themselves. Uh, Maybe let's move on to Mandy van der Muelen, who's the Chief Flight Instructor at Air Safety Pilot Academy. You work with students every day, and you're always helping uh, young people to actually be part of this particular industry. What does it take to ensure that we have well-trained pilots, uh, Mandy?
6: Yes, good morning, Benjamin, and good morning to the listeners. Um, I do believe that our standard in South Africa of commercial pilots is really, really high. Um, we're we overseen by our FACAA, and, and we are com- uh, ICAO-compliant. Uh, we do train a lot of pilots from all over Africa. Um Nigeria, I do believe that we're probably the center of African uh, of, of the training pilot training in Africa. Um, And I think we have a very good reputation for our training worldwide. The South African Commercial Pilot License is a very well-respected license. Mm.
3: And also, just go back to that uh, particular question that I asked. What does it take to be a well-trained pilot? How do you actually assess a pilot who is well-trained?
6: The... The, the, the training course and the training requirements are very closely structured and internationally respected um, syllabuses, and, and um, uh, I think that the standard is kind of universal. It's, it's, it is, as I said, controlled by the SACAA or monitored by the SACAA and um, highly um, qualified uh, um, uh, instructors and um, assessors that, that, that make sure that the standard is, is maintained.
3: Yeah, maybe I should bring back that to uh, J.P. Tritter, who is the Deputy CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa. In terms of training pilots, uh, are we doing well on the continent? Are we doing well in South Africa?
2: Yes, uh, we are doing extremely well. Uh, Our training standards are high in South Africa. I cannot speak for the rest of Africa, Mm. but um, there is clear guidelines how training should be done from ICAO as per the Annex, and uh, if if the countries can all implement the uh, requirements of the Annexes as we should do, as all the member states should do, then we can do much better with our safety records and our training abilities. I'd just like to mention that in Africa, we have the lowest implementation rate of SARP's of any continent in the world and that's the an area where the African continent must improve significantly. Mm.
3: Can you elaborate on what that is uh, JP?
2: Okay as uh, uh, has 19 annexes, which each member state has to implement and from those annexes comes this, uh, the SARPs and the SARPs is a requirement to implement by this a uh, member state and if they do not implement the SOC, they have to uh, 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 go back to ICAO and tell ICAO that they are filing a difference and that they're not going to implement the uh, recommendation and that they will uh, uh, provide them with a reason why they can't do it or they might have a delay or implement in a different manner. In Africa, we have a problem on this and that's mainly to do with the primary uh, laws that actually stop the flow of um, uh, making regulations in the civil aviation authorities.
3: Well, we're going to have to take a break, but I want us to also deal with the issue of how essential uh, regulation is uh, in terms of uh, aviation safety. On the line, we have uh, J.P. Trita who is the deputy CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa. We also have Mandy van der Muelen, chief flight instructor from Air Safety Pilot Academy. And Lyndon Burns joins us as an MD of Plane Talking. Let's take a quick break. The time right now is 11.21 Central African time
5: ebola bits symptoms may develop from 2 to 21 days normally in 8 to 10 days Symptoms often begin with a sudden fever along with muscle aches and a headache. There may also be nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, a cough and a sore throat. This message is brought to you by Channel Africa and supplied by the World Health Organization. Follow the discussion on Twitter using hashtag BeatEbolaNow.
3: You are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you as well. If you're listening to us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we are looking at aviation safety. We're joined by J.P. Trutha, who is the deputy CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa. Mandy Fandemuelenjo, joins us as a Chief Flight Instructor of the Air Safety Pilot Academy and MD of Plane Talking is with us once again on the program, Lyndon Burns. But I want to come back to the issue of pilots before we move on because that's an area that I wanted to look at. But I don't want us to really look at the psychological aspects of it, but more on the issues of evaluation. The Sunday Times this week established that commercial pilots in South Africa do not require psychological evaluation as part of their compulsory Physical checkups, which are mostly done only once a year, uh, JP, coming to you. Is this something that we should be concerned about? Because uh, uh, this uh, re- uh, report has created a, a big response in, uh, uh, in in South Africa on how to deal with this particular issue. Is this something that should be dealt with? Uh,
2: like Mr. Lindenberg Bird said, uh, that the, uh, the accident rate right is definitely coming down if we look at the amount of flights. Every year, more Mm. and more people are flying, and at this moment, there's more or less 700,000 people in the air flying somewhere in the world. So this is actually a safe industry, and uh, what what I earlier uh, said in my introduction Mm. is that the accident from German wings is not a necessary trend in the industry. Mm. And uh, referring to the the, the medical checks of the the pilots, if there's a psychological issue noticed by the flying instructor or a colleague, there's always a method of reporting at uh, confidential reporting systems, which is non-punitive, and that is uh, supposed to open up the uh, the credibility and the confidence of a person that has a problem to report any kind of um, medical problem that that person might have. So there is ways to deal with this. Uh, There's a protocol approved in South Africa for people with depression. There is medication that is approved and they can use this as published by uh, the South African
3: Civil aviation authority. Mm. Mandy, I want to come back to you because you work at a school where you are teaching uh, uh, students on uh, flying. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the stories of uh, uh, how you actually go about your work uh, during the day. Uh, what you teach the students? Maybe if I come in for the first day and I'm interested in being a, a flight, uh, uh, maybe a, being a, a, um, a driver or a plane itself. How do what processes does one go through? in your school?
6: Well, one goes through a process of training. It's a really well established and structured uh, process. Um, you start with basic flying, um, the basic hand- the handling of aircraft and you move on. You become more and more independent and more and more um, capable until you can, in the first place, fly alone, secondly, then carry passengers and then eventually carry passengers for gain. And the process is, it's an internationally recognized one. Um, It is very safe, and safety is one of the absolute pivotal um, issues in terms of any aviation and any aviation training. And I would like to say here that um, the point is being made that aviation is one of the safest, is the safest form of travel. Um, And it is because of the philosophy behind it, which is that, if ever there is an accident, the cause is established and and the, and, and uh, systems are put in place to prevent a similar accident ever happening again. And in my opinion, the Sunday Times and the, the current issue of are there um, issues that pilots have and emotional issues, relevant psychological issues that could be improved on? And I actually feel that, that this is an area that could use a little bit of attention, and I think that there are a few recent accidents. I think there are so few causes of accidents, and so few cause and so few accidents. But those few reasons that are left, we still need to look at that and not not and not brush them aside and say, "Well, that's not relevant," because it is very relevant.
3: Yeah, and just to highlight just on air that uh, we did try to get uh, uh, some uh, health experts to help us with this particular uh, issue because I wanted, we wanted to touch on it, but uh, they yeah. were not available for us this particular um, uh, morning because they all had busy schedules. But uh, uh, looking at uh, this other issue, moving back to you, Lyndon, uh, is it true that uh, with uh, smaller planes they have more accidents than the uh, larger aircrafts?
1: I just want to go back one second again just to clear up any confusion that people might have had uh, something that J.P. was saying Um, I think it's important to understand what's the role of the different players here ICAO for for listeners is the International Civil Aviation Organization it's the United Nations body that is set uh, given the mandate to um, set the rules and the standards and the protocols for everything to do with civil aviation um, amongst UN member states hmm. and the SOPS are the uh, ICAO's standards and recommended practices and ICAO works with governments with the civil aviation authorities in each country to okay. implement or help them implement those standards and recommended practices. So well, I hope that's shed some light on, on where we're going. Yeah, thank you now, for the
3: clarification.
1: And, and and to come back to the issue about uh, psychological assessments of pilots and, and how those are done, um, again, it's not, uh, and looking at the Sunday Times uh, rather hyperbolic headline on Sunday, mm. yes, uh, it's true that there is no standard, uh, a prescribed measure uh, for, for assessing pilots' psychological well-being or their emotional state, but it's not peculiar to South Africa. Uh, and I agree with Mandy, it is something that, uh, that warrants and merits addressing. Mm. There is a lot of work uh, taking place and has been um, for some time on human factors and looking at how you deal with this. And one of the issues that has to be grappled with Um, is the issue of if a pilot declares that he's unfit or or, uh, uh, not feeling emotionally fantastic today and has had a row with the wife or whatever on the way to work, um, is he going to lose his job? Is it going to reflect negatively on his career prospects going forward? There are all these uh, considerations and factors that come into play. And I think, you know, these are going to certainly be highlighted um, as the situation around German wings unfolds and certainly once the Namibian authorities who are investigating the uh, M- the Mozambique Airlines accident um, in November 2013, when they eventually publish the final uh, findings and their recommendations on, on that uh, particular incident, which was also uh, They're saying was was caused by deliberate action of the pilot having locked the co-pilot out. Um, I think going forward, one one needs to take all these things, you know, with a scientific view, so we can learn from them. The problem we have though in the industry is that while we're looking for uh, a forensic and scientific and didactic approach, the public expectation is very different. The public expectation which also is driven and reflected in the media interest, is for immediate answers and to be able to apportion blame. So we need to to be able to calm those expectations, if you like. And the biggest challenge we face in the industry is how do we meet that? How do we use the Mm. tools that are at our disposal in terms of communication, in terms of social media, Mm. to educate uh, and at the same time not to start scaremongering uh, when it's unwarranted. Mm, mm. You know, we, we, the, the numbers don't lie, mm, mm. Um, uh, you know, uh, but the way in which we consume and engage with the information that we get today is very different to the way it was done 40 years ago or even 10 years ago.
3: Mm. And coming back to the question that I initially yeah. asked you in terms of... Uh, uh, General
1: aviation, small aircraft. Yes, yeah, small
3: know? aircraft compared to the larger and, uh, ones.
1: Uh, and again, yeah you know... If you look at a country like South Africa, I think JP will correct me if my numbers are wrong. But sure. if we go back 20 years ago, we probably had about 5,000 aircraft that were small aircraft, light aircraft that were on the South African register. Yeah. Today, there's probably closer to about 12 or 15,000 wow. flying machines. There are a lot more people flying. There's a lot more activity. Of course, you're going to have a, a, a higher number of aircraft. uh, Yeah, involved in in, uh, incidents and accidents. Mm. But proportionally again, I think we've seen that the numbers are coming down. Pilots are, you know, generally speaking, pilots are not reckless people. This is a very regulated Mm. um, activity in an industry with a lot of oversight, Mm. uh, both in terms of how pilots are assessed and monitored, how their skills and proficiency is regularly evaluated. both for recreational pilots and professional pilots, mm. and the same with the maintenance of aircraft and how they are, uh, how they operate and how they are serviced.
3: Mm. Let me take that back to you, JP. Uh, in terms of looking at uh, that comparison between uh, the large aircraft and, and and the smaller ones and the incidents that are involved between the two, uh, what have you uh, noticed uh, with the differences there and the dynamics there,
2: uh, Benjamin? Um Yes, there is a difference and there are a bigger incident of accidents and incident reporting in the aircraft below 7,500 kilograms. Mm. Um, the Civil Aviation Authority of South Africa is acutely aware of that and the sport aviation side in South Africa specifically is controlled by RASA, Recreational Aviation Authority of South Africa, which provides the licenses and oversight Uh, some of the functions of the sporting side. Um, The problem is here that some of the commercial pilots that start out on the lighter uh, type of aircraft, the uh, 19-seater, 20-seater aircraft, is less experienced than the airline type uh, uh, pilots because most of the airline types are uh, flown with uh, two pilots, and some of these lighter aircraft can be single aircraft operated. So there is a, uh, a difference in the, uh, uh, the accident rates. Um, the experience is one of the issues. In South Africa, we're looking at around about 1,500 hours before the, the, the pilot becomes accept- acceptable for the insurance companies and uh, the risk of that person becomes lower for the insurance company so they can fly in that uh, commercial environment. But the pilots have to start somewhere. They have to get the training, but we do have the human factor training and uh, we have the uh, cockpit resource management training that deals with all these issues of managing the flight uh, and managing the flight with the human resources and all the technical aspects that goes with it.
3: Mm. Well, we're going to take a little break and I'm going to stay with you when we come back, JP, before I move on to Mandy. And I want to look at uh, the importance of air traffic controllers and also come back to that issue that you highlighted, JP, on regulation. But we have to take a quick break. Remember, you are listening to Channel Africa. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you as well. You're streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. <laughs> E aí
5: Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance.
3: Yes, this is Channel Africa. You are listening to us right here on uh, the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Right now, you're with me, Benjamin Mushatama? You're listening to African Dialogue, where each day we bring you a, a topic that has to do with our continent. And today we're looking at uh, uh, air or aviation safety. And uh, we are joined by J.P. Trita, who is uh, the uh, deputy CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa, and Mandy van der Muelen, the Chief Flight Instructor at Air Safety Pilot Academy and Lennon Burns is the MD of Plane Talking and they're giving us great insights on their industry and a very good analysis for us ordinary people to find out what goes into the world of aviation safety. But JP, I wanted to look at the issue of air traffic controllers and how essential they are for aviation safety. Could you elaborate on that?
2: Oh, they play a very vital, important role in keeping our airspaces safe. The air traffic controllers, they keep the aircraft apart from each other, make sure that the flow of aircraft is safe in, in an orderly way, and other operations on the ground is conducted safely. Uh, they play a major role. The air traffic controllers are highly trained people, and they are licensed people. So they are very competent in South Africa. We have the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Air Navigation Services Company that train the people, they have a very really training school, they have high standards, and uh, they are very competent people, especially in South Africa and obviously in the other parts of the world too. And that takes
3: me to you, Lyndon, in terms of looking at uh, how these air traffic controllers work between countries, let's say from uh, Mozambique and South Africa. Uh, do the different stations uh, of the different countries coordinate and work together? How does that work?
1: Yes, they do. Um, uh, and again, you know, there's a, there's agreement between neighboring countries on you know, how they're going to pass traffic uh, along the line um, in Our part of the world in Africa, we're very fortunate in that the Air Traffic Navigation Services Company, which is a state-owned body in South Africa, does a lot of the training for controllers around in in many of the other African countries and also uh, helps to provide some of that service and some of that infrastructure. Uh, So there is a lot of uh, close coordination. uh, And in fact, we've been very fortunate in Africa in that we haven't actually had... Uh, in, in a very long time, um, accidents caused as a result of you know, poor communication by an air traffic controller. Um, in that sense, you know our guys are top draw and they're very highly sought after. Um, and uh, I think the biggest challenge we have at the moment here is making sure we, we keep our skilled air traffic controllers and that we don't see them all chasing bigger paychecks in greener pastures elsewhere.
3: And I want to come to you, Mandy, looking at uh, maybe the issue of training, uh, air traffic controlling within the uh, academy. Do you teach pilots on, on, on what happens in, in that area of aviation, the air traffic controlling uh, area of uh, the industry?
6: We don't train air traffic controllers, but we operate from a from an airport which is controlled by air traffic controllers. And in fact, even by some learner air traffic controllers, because they use the forum here at Rand Airport for um, for training purposes for the ATNS for the air traffic navigation services that train the the, the 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 controllers. The controllers are very professional; they're very highly trained, and um, as uh, Linton said, they are they, highly sought after. They they really do a really good job, um, and the, of monitoring aircraft and keeping the air... the the, the, the the aviation
3: industry safe and also it takes me back to the issue of uh, uh, regulation and the importance of regulation when it comes to air safety Um, linden how important is that do we have uh, a a big body that actually makes sure that uh, we have the right regulation that is followed internationally how does that particular aspect work
1: So, again, it comes back to what JP uh, and I were trying to explain before about the role of the International Civil Aviation Organization in setting those global standards and then the responsibility of each, um, each state's own civil aviation authority in implementing those standards and, of course, also making sure that they are compatible with local legislation and sovereign law. And in South Africa, that's the role of the South African Civil Aviation Authority. And, of course, there's always going to be an element of tension between uh, industry and operators and the regulators. Um, uh, and uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not, but that's the nature of uh, of that kind of system. Um, and, uh, you know, they are charged with the oversight as well as the setting of the regulations, they're also charged with policing it, and one of the things that they also do, which there has been some ongoing debate around, is should they also be, still be, the investigators, because what do you do in the event where something happens as a result of a decision or an action or an omission by the regulator, how do they investigate themselves?
3: Yeah, very good points there. I only have about three minutes left. And I thought maybe we can end the program with uh, the issue of uh, investigations. We know there's a lot of categorization of flight failures. Coming back to you, J.P., uh, how do you actually, after maybe an air crash, because maybe people are questioning because we've heard phrases of uh, black boxes and issues like that. Uh, I don't know how it actually works. But after a crash, uh, what does it take to actually investigate it?
2: Um, Benjamin, yes, there's a very robust process as described by the uh, ICAO in the annex 13. What needs to happen is the the country or region where the accident happened, the, the country of occurrence is taking responsibility of the accident. Then there's the country of registration of the aircraft also takes co-responsibility and takes part in the investigation as well. Then there can be some other parties, which is the aircraft manufacturer, country of manufacture, and obviously country of design, or if that's OEMs, the engine manufacturers, or bionic uh, the manufacturers. They can also take part in the investigation. They're also invited to the, to the investigation if they have an interest. And obviously, the, if there's a nation that feels they need to be uh, present in the investigation, like, like the uh, accident of the Malaysian aircraft that went down in uh, the Ukraine. The Dutch indicated that they had uh, lots of passengers on board and that they wanted it to be part of the investigation. So it's a very well-organized process. All the nations' major stakeholders are involved, and the two instruments, the flight re- auto-recorder and the cockpit voice recorder, is the two instruments that are used for the data that's analyzed with the profile of the flight and with certain voice recordings and noises can be heard in the background and can be analyzed. Uh, alarm bells can be analyzed. So uh, those instruments goes with all the other stakeholders. It forms an a, a, a investigation that is very thorough. And the main thing of uh, aircraft crash investigation is not the portion blind. It is to learn and prevent accidents.
3: Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up. I don't know who was stationed by, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, near flights, but I really enjoyed hearing those flights just flying across there during the program, just hearing that roaring sound. It was fantastic as part of our program. But I just want to thank our guests for giving us such great insights on us understanding what it takes to uh, have uh, this uh, uh, safety in our air. So it's very interesting stuff. Thank you to JB Twitter, who is the CEO of the Commercial Aviation Association of South Africa. He was about to drive here but was caught up in traffic. But I want to thank you, JP, for making an effort as well. I want to thank also Mandy van der Muelen, who is the Chief Flight Instructor at Air Safety Pilot Academy. Thank you for your insights. And uh, Lyndon Burns, thank you once again uh, for joining us. He's the MD of Plane Talking. Lyndon, always, it's good always speaking to you and listening to you whenever you're on television because you always simplify these terms and simplify things for us to understand understand as ordinary citizens. Thank you all for joining us in our program. African Dialogue looking at different events in depth discussing a variety
0: of
1: issues. This is a very significant uh, historical
2: election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly. And that's an uh, important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen,
4: and also, we see Malawi violating its international commitments.
3: Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, uh, let's move on right now. Uh, let's get our economics update from usani Matibula.
4: Good morning, Benjamin. South Africa and Algeria have vowed to ensure the full implementation of the over 30 bilateral agreements signed between the two countries. President Jacob Zuma and his Algerian counterpart, Abdelaziz Bouteflika, are expected to sign an additional five bilateral agreements in Algiers today. Zuma is on a two-day state visit to the North African country. South Africa's International Relations Minister, Maite Nkwana on the other side, we know that we will be also signing an MOU again of facilitation of programmes of action to implement this 30-plus MOUs, but also to see the four outstanding, which also include uh, collaboration and cooperation in the tourism sector, arts and culture, and so on. The 18th Summit of Common Market for Eastern and Southern African Authority has been held at the Africa Union Commission, in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, the summit which opened yesterday was chaired by President Joseph Kabila of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The theme for this year's summit is inclusive and sustainable industrialization. Delegates at the summit say Africa needs to reverse the de trend towards a transformative agenda that generates employment, boosts intra-regional trade and economic growth. Zimbabwe has denied reports that it plans to forcibly take over privately owned telecommunications infrastructure. The government says it wants to ensure that uh, mobile network operators share the infrastructure. Econet Wireless, the largest operator with 80% of the infrastructure, has described the proposal as a disguised and unconstitutional form of compliance compulsory acquisition of its equipment. However, Information and Communications Technology Minister Supra says Econet's reaction is premature. So we are not intending to grab anyone's assets. We are intending to enhance the business environment, to enhance uh, profits for those that have already invested in, in infrastructure. If it is the contention of Econet that it has invested so much more than anybody else, they are actually going to be the biggest beneficiary of government's intentions. An energy analyst in South Africa, Chris Yelland, says the appointment of Ben Gubane as acting chairperson of a parastatal ESCOM does not mean the power utilities problems will be solved. He says it'll be difficult to take decisive decisions with four acting executives. Yelland was reacting to the news that chairperson of the power utilities Zola Tzouzi, has resigned. It comes after he was accused of acting improperly. Earlier this month, Tootsi suspended four senior executives at ESCOM, including CEO C.D. Somatuna. Yellen says uh, ESCOM's problems need urgent attention.
2: With an acting CEO, acting financial director, acting head of capital projects, acting head of procurement, and now an acting chairperson, I think we can see that ESCOM is going to be going into a mode of um, holding pattern without uh, the ability to make clear and decisive executive actions because it doesn't have its executive management. And remember that an acting chairman or chairperson is a non-executive role. Uh, so whilst it's important uh, to deal with governance issues, uh, this is not the solution to Eskom's problems.
4: And finally, some energy news. A French energy company, Total, is seeking international arbitration over tax disagreements with Uganda, which could further delay crude oil production in the East African country. Total's Ugandan unit, Total E&P, Uganda, confirms it has filed a request for arbitration before the International Centre for Settlement of Investment Disputes. The dispute relates to the imposition of stamp duty by the Uganda Revenue Authority on the acquisition of Total's interest in the exploration area number two. And that's how it's looking.
3: Let's move on now and get our sports. Fili Linguati standing by.
0: Now, sports update this hour, starting off with rugby news. The Springbok Sevens have called up unkept Carl Dubry to replace injured forward Philip Neyman for the Tokyo Sevens tournament, which takes place this coming weekend. The versatile Neyman sustained a knee ligament injury while playing for the Springbok Sevens on Saturday in Hong Kong. Dubry is currently contracted to the South African Sevens Academy and he has already played a couple of times for the Academy at tournaments in George, Dubai and Harare. The tall loose forward represented the Western Province in the Under-21 Curry Cup competition last year and he has impressed the South African 7's coaching staff since his full-time switch to the Shutter Code at the end of last year. The Japanese tournament is round 7 of the World Rugby 7 Series which consists of 9 rounds overall. And the Kenya National Rugby 7's team has been drawn against Mike Friday's United States, South Africa and canada for the next leg of the irb rugby 7 series in tokyo in japan kenya won the shield title in hong kong this past weekend with a 26-7 win over japan in the finals picking only three points to add up to 32 points after six legs so far this season channel africa's francis mutegi reports. Kenya won the Shield title in Hong Kong last weekend with a 26-7 win over Japan in the finals, picking only 3 points to add up to 32 points after 6 legs so far this season. Kenya fell to the Shield category after a miserable run at the Hong Kong 7s following a 21-10 loss to Canada in the ball category. In The Shield semis Kenya bait Portugal to meet Japan in the Shield final which they won easily. This performance in Hong Kong will have serious implications though in of the team's dreams of reaching the olympics on their team's performance because they fell to the bowl category after losing all their three pool matches against usa england and wales a 19 year old south africa's northern cape province power lifter zuelin zimabunolo lee Zuel says he's proud of himself after breaking two south african records in the 62 kilograms for squats and the deadlift at the netbank national championships for physically disabled Currently underway at the Waltersulu Hall in Johannesburg, Leeswe set the new national mark in the squat of 130 kg, improving it by 20 kg. While in the deadlift, he managed to improve the record by 2.5 kilograms, with his heave of 192.5 kg. Leeswe also won gold in the bench, but couldn't break the existing record. The blind Lizue says he is proud of his achievements, especially after having to run to the venue after their Kumbi to the championship was involved in a minor accident.
4: Yeah, I'm very proud about that. And uh, I haven't break any records, but today I saw that I can at least do it. So I'm proud of myself now. So actually, that was just a little incident that happened outside, but uh, my coach here just
3: told me that uh, i must just uh, run here so that i can at least write me in so that i can compete
0: and finally the lions won six games drew one and only suffered one defeat throughout the sunfall series and their most impressive form this year and now bavuma has also hailed the lions bowling attack and young fast bowler kajiso rabada who had an outstanding debut season with the lions and the Proteas. That's a sport news, this hour.
3: Well, how great that show was. I really enjoyed today's program. I did actually enjoy hearing those uh, 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 planes in the background there. I think that was uh, um, one of the... The lady who was on our program, Mandy van der Muelen, because I think she was stationed at the Academy, so maybe the um, uh, pilots were busy, you know, flying there in the background. It was actually good for our program. I really enjoyed those sounds. But, hey, what are your thoughts about air safety in the world and on the continent? Let us know... what you think about today's program? You can actually uh, SMS us your views on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three. 325-905. Or uh, another way for you to interact with us is a Twitter. Uh, we've got an African Dialogue uh, Twitter handle, so go to African Dialogue. We appreciate those who've been following us. It was still a little bit low, so you can actually go follow us at African Dialogue or go to our channel Africa at Channel Africa 1. That's the numeric one at Channel Africa 1. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, God bless.